I am Betty Willerton, reporter at Bristol 24-7, and today I'm talking to Amelie and Chloe, who are both members of Bristol Sex Workers Collective, about the now long-awaited decision whether to close down Bristol strip clubs. So, how long have you worked in SUVs in Bristol, and what have they been like as a workplace? Uh, so I've been working at Urban Tiger for three years now. Um, I've, you know, as far as having a job goes, I enjoyed the work. Um, I enjoy like the sisterhood with uh, all the other workers and um, the fact that I'm like working for myself. That there's no other pressure, um, and that I feel safe doing it. And that obviously it gives me a higher income than any other job could give me, given the fact that I don't really have any qualifications, etc. I have been working in SUVs for almost five years now. Um, as far as a job goes, it's, it's quite good. It's flexible, which is what I need. The hours work for me. You can take time off if you need to. Like Emily said, I like the camaraderie like the sisterhood I like all of the women working there um it's good health wise for me because I can take the time off and because I can cancel shifts if I need to which I end up needing to do relatively often um in terms of income it's very it's quite varied you can make a lot or you can make not very much so if you do make a lot that gives you a little savings nest to take more time off again if you need to and what has it felt like for you to have your career possibly in jeopardy you know over the last 15 months I think it is it's been really terrifying because the whole process started during lockdown we'd already been out of work for like two years a year and a half um and then it was like really hard mentally um and then yeah to get back to work but then having that like sort of sword over your head that's going to drop like at any moment that you might completely lose your your livelihood and especially now that we're like entering a recession and cost of living crisis it's it's absolutely terrifying um because there's just no for most of us we have no other option than to work there if or in that industry if we want to have um, a good quality of life life. or even you know some people have physical or mental disabilities so they have no other choice either um, or other responsibilities so it's it's terrifying the fact that we've not been consulted or that we've had to force them to consider the impact it's going to have on our lives Um, it just feels really unjust and I think it's you know, saying that they do it in, they're doing it in the name of like feminism and for women. But when most of us are women and we have not been, we've been completely left out. The conversation is um, frustrating. Also, until recently, we didn't even have a date or any kind of time frame for when we could expect the results. So we were just waking up every day, not knowing if it was the day, not knowing how long it would take, and the pressure that puts on you mentally is quite bad people are trying to move on with their lives people are trying to plan their futures and they can't because they don't know if they're going to wake up one morning and find out that they haven't got a job anymore so now we know that 
a date has been set for the decision so it's the 28th of July um, now that you know when what will happen to SEVs in Bristol how, how are you feeling? I think we're still feeling pretty nervous we don't know which way it's going to go okay, the consultation results still haven't been published so we also don't know what it's going to be like um, I'd like to say like I I think it's going to be positive personally that's my opinion I mean we'll see don't have a crystal ball <laughs> um, but yeah I'm hoping it will be but I you know because of everything we faced this year there's like a massive distrust for us within you know the council and you know the authorities that we don't even trust that they listen to the public um, and that they won't just do whatever they want for whatever political gain they want to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just about to say that. The level of distrust is so high, especially because we've just come off the back of another consultation that was like in 2019. It, you really don't know what their actual motives are. It seems like even if the public came out overwhelmingly in favour of us, <laughs> the council would maybe not even say that mm-hmm. so how how are you feeling now you know that the 28th of july is when when the decision will be made it's actually made my anxiety go up quite a bit now that we have an actual date um yeah been having like quite a few more panic attacks lately just randomly which is not particularly fun um but I don't want to jinx anything, but I am I am hopeful, and it will be nice to have this over with. It will be nice to hopefully relax afterwards, but um, I trust that even if it isn't, it isn't the outcome that I like, the union will do their best to try and counteract that and do their best to look after us, because it's not going to be the council. A lot of workers in SEVs have been like really vocal throughout this whole, whole process. Um, how how is it? How what's that experience been like for you to you know speak about all of these issues that affect you so personally? Um, you know, to so many people and in a lot of detail. Um, how have you found that? I think uh, it can be difficult. You know, putting yourself out there, with your your face out there. Um, it's quite stressful. So you putting your safety in jeopardy uh, obviously some of us have done it because we do feel like we're maybe in a more privileged position where we can do it and it might not be as risky as it could be for some other people um, but I think it is necessary I think people need to put a face to the lives they're going to affect um, and I think we have managed to do that I think yeah a lot of people and now I'm realising, oh yeah, they're just they're not just strippers that kind of they're not just the other. They're actually like people and you know, a lot of people that have been interacting with us online in the press, like, you know, someone who bumped into them in the street and you know that I think it just makes the public realise that yeah, we are like normal people who also lead normal lives outside of dancing because yeah, at the end of the day it is an uncommon job but it is still just a job like it doesn't define me as a person um it is just what i do to earn money 
it reminds me of like what Stacy Stacy Claire said. We're very objectified as a group, but not in the way that you think. We're just not thought about as people. We're thought about as like abstract concepts or like implants around a pole, as um, someone I won't name said. It's nice to actually express to people that we are just normal people and not whatever stereotype or like uh, caricature they think um so obviously there's some like really strong opinions on like every side of this debate would you be able to just go through why you hope that sexual entertainment venues will stay open and be able to stay open in the future in bristol uh i think it's a matter of um bodily autonomy um you know respecting people's choices and what they want to do with their bodies and lives uh but it's also it's about people's safety i mean as i was saying we're entering a recession and the cost of living crisis we're still going to need to make money and if you make that harder for us like we're just not going to exit the industry. Some people might have to go into more dangerous part of the industry. Um, or, yeah, we'll have to turn to agencies where it's going to be really difficult to assert our rights, where, as unionised workers, we're going to have to start the unionising process from the ground up again, uh, which is going to take years. And, yeah, we'll have to perform in like hotels, Airbnbs, you know, private properties where we won't have the level of security we have now with CCTVs and and security staff. Uh, So it is terrifying and I think instead of people just being stuck at the disgust they have for our job, they should be more revolted at the ideas that some people have to do those kind of jobs to afford a decent life and that's what people should be mad about um, but that's not going to stop that's not going to solve that deeper problem just by criminalising our industry Like on the other side of the argument I guess um, you know, people have come out to say that these workplaces are a, are a place where objectification of women happens um, gender based violence happens how, how would you respond to those arguments? Well, once again, um, if you want to make a workplace safer, you don't push it underground, you don't criminalise it. Um, those workplaces, you know, the industry isn't equal. There are some places where there are terrible working conditions, but... Once again, how do you improve working conditions for workers? You unionise them, you support those unions. You don't just push it further underground where the unions won't be able to do anything, where there'll be no level of regulation, nothing, um, no safety, no justice for those workers. And in terms of gender-based violence, we're not where people should be looking. I think we've all seen by now the... um, cumulative impact assessment looking at like prism the o2 academy um omg as like really high levels of um gender-based violence sexual assault that is where the attention should be should be placed yeah and i think just once again like we still haven't seen any tangible proof um, or like direct link between gender 
against violence and presence of SCVs, um, I think uh, what a lot of people have tried to do is show something that might be only correlation as a causation, um, and I think it's really important to see the difference. If if SEVs were to close down in Bristol, what kind of message do you think that sends to workers and to women as well? It definitely takes the onus off of men if you're going to say, no, it's your fault for being dressed that way and acting that way. You're the one that's inciting these things and not men. Men are not actually responsible for their actions. It's you that's setting them off. It's a, it's a terrible precedent. Also, it just there's no there's no nuance. There's no room for consent. There's no there's no um, consideration for whether a woman wants to be objectified, whether a woman's consenting to it. It's not. It shouldn't be placed on the same level as, like, say, street harassment or being wolf whistled. Like, they're at such different levels. Yeah, I think once again, like. I mean, so United Sex Workers, our union, has threatened Bristol City Council um, of legal action if they do go through a nail cap on the basis that it would uh, be a breach of the Equality Act. We do believe that um, that would be discrimination because we're a workforce that's essentially mostly the female workforce and that would be breaching our right to choose to work in the way that we want to um, and where we want to so I do think it would be a massive loss for for feminism and yeah it would breach our body autonomy and once again it would kind of create like a two-tier society where we're saying like the acceptable women yeah we're going to protect them they're they're deserve safety but some women don't deserve safety because they don't behave in the way that we find is acceptable and what would it you know what would it their closure mean for like you two personally and for your colleagues what what would you do come when you know they close their doors and you can't work in SUVs in Bristol anymore I think um Personally, I think what a lot of us will do is go work in, in other clubs, like for example, um, Cardiff, Swindon, Reading. But there's so many of us, we're all going to go there. It's just, it's going to have a domino effect where we'll see everyone's income is going to decrease, competition within the industry will increase, there's going to create tension between the workers, uh, and also because managers will know we're Man- managers will know we're desperate. Uh, I think it's going to lead to a massive decrease in the quality of our working conditions. Um, and also, if Bristol City Council does have a nail cap, it's going to have yeah a, a, a knock-on effect once again, where every council is going to start doing it, and eventually in a few years' time, none of us will have any legal workplace to work in. Mm. I think something that needs to be mentioned is if there's less clubs there's less option for you to move on and go somewhere else if say you're not being treated the way you'd like to be treated or it's not runaway that is very safe or very comfortable for you 
means that creates a monopoly. Yeah, it, it creates a monopoly. They can run it however they like because you're desperate and because now there's you're relying on the club rather than the club relying on you because you haven't got like you can't shop around for a club that fits you. How are your colleagues feeling about it? I think they're like really stressed. Um, Obviously, because we've been like really involved in the campaigning. Like every time I work, I get dancers coming up to me, and be like, "What do you think's gonna happen? Have you heard anything?" And I'm like, "I, I don't. Know. <laughs> um, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't see the future. Uh, I'd like to reassure them, but unfortunately, I'm, I'm not. We're not feeling extremely confident ourselves. Um, see, we hope for the best, but we don't want to give anyone any kind of false hope." But yeah, everyone's really stressed out. I mean, people put a, lot of our, a lot of our colleagues have, they have children. Um, our single mums have disabilities, our carers. And these people don't know, you know, in a year's time, if the clubs have to close, they, they don't know how they're going to go on. So there's been a recent crowdfunder led by United Sex Workers and they have just reached their target, I believe. Do you mind just going through like what the crowdfunders for and what reaching this target means for Edinburgh SUVs and then like wider SUVs as well? So in March uh, of this year, Edinburgh City Council um, decided to go for for a nil cap despite a lot of workers addressing their concerns. They were completely ignored. Uh, so United Sex Workers, the union representing strippers. Um, has decided to take legal action and take the council to court under the Equality Act. Um, so we launched a crowdfunder. We were trying to fundraise £20,000 to pay for the legal costs uh, and we've managed to hit our target. So we're now signing all the papers, we're really excited uh, to get this started because if we were to prove that closing down strip clubs is gender discrimination that would set a legal precedent that would be a historic case and it would most likely stop every council over the country from implementing those like harmful policies and that would also mean that long term it would help us organize our workplaces without the threat of them closing down eventually Mm -hmm. Um, so that would be a win for workers' rights as a whole. Yeah, it's very difficult to try and make any kind of improvements in the club when every single year or every two or three years, like we've seen in Bristol, there's a threat of closure or nil caps or, I mean, even just the annual licensing review, it's not particularly helpful, but that's a whole other can of worms. We can actually have time to focus on improving things rather than just trying to defend ourselves and being in a constant state of worry. It feels, yeah, I think it feels like instead of trying, of being able to improve the industry and our working conditions, all we've had to do for the last few years is just like constantly trying to put out a fire uh, instead of building something better from from where we are. Um, Because, yeah, just partial criminalisation that we're under, the licensing regime we're under is, is getting in the way of us getting better working condition and workers' rights. And are you planning to lodge legal action if a nil cap is imposed in Bristol? Is that something that is on the cards? Uh, 
Yes, our union has sent a pre-action letter to Bristol City Council threatening them of judicial review of legal action should they decide to go for a nail cap as well. Um, so yeah, just like we're doing in Edinburgh now, we'll also take them to court in Bristol. So there's a month to go until the decision is made. How how will you like manage manage your anxiety over the next month and you know how will you kind of get through this period of time? Uh, I mean, I'm glad that over the last year uh, we've managed to build like a really nice community of sex workers in Bristol. So we do support each other in whatever way we can. Um, we've gone from like seven of us to like fifty now in a year, a in, year and yeah, a half. Yeah, so we've really grown. So yeah, we try to support each other as you know as much as we can. And yeah, we're trying to obviously now prepare the meeting with the council, with uh, yeah, try and involve any ally that we can, um, anyone who would be considered a stakeholder by the council. Um, yeah, it is stressful. Is like we're glad we have that deadline, but at the same time, it does feel like it's going to be around the corner really quickly, um, and it's terrifying that like our basically entire livelihoods like they've got our lives in their hands basically and it's really terrifying to um, to give these people that much responsibility mm. it's terrifying for one body to have that much control over your life especially when you don't particularly trust them it's it's not a great feeling Emily and Chloe from the Bristol Sex Workers Collective chatting to our reporter Betty Woolerton there. So July 28th, the fateful date of which the sex entertainment venues in Bristol will be decided upon in the council meeting. And of course, Bristol 24-7 will be covering all sides of the debate leading up to that vote. Hello, it's Downsy here. Uh, also online this week, the latest on Big Jeff. Of course, we send him all of our best wishes. Sad news for we, the Curious fans. And you can find out how a corner of St. Philip's became a centre for for innovation in Bristol, plus the uncertainty over the future of the railway line to Portishead. You can always read more at bristol247.com. You can still get your hands on the only independent guide to Bristol's food and drink scene too, Eat Drink 24-7. It's in cafes, shops and restaurants across the city. You can find more details on our website. And finally, if you like what you see and indeed hear from Bristol 24-7, please consider becoming a member for just £5 a month. Apart from supporting independent journalism here in Bristol, which as ever is hugely needed there are some spectacular membership perks as well including a free hot pod yoga class the chance of winning two tickets to see the bat out of hell musical at the bristol hippodrome and a free coffee at the canteen in stokes croft all the details at bristol 247.com that's it for this week thanks so much for listening and keep your eyes peeled for episode 58 dropping in the next seven days